0: And I think the other thing I would say is collaboration, um, especially for the curmudgeons like me. The amount of stuff and things that I learn from the new generation is actually remarkable. And anyone who says that this particular generation doesn't do it like this particular—they're—they're they're out of their minds. You know, they're—they're they're out of their minds. They're by the way, they're eighty percent of our workforce, and they're killing it. And and. If you find the right ones, you're you're they'll blow you away. And I've got those on my team, a lot of them, and I love it. I love it because they're teaching me.
1: It's bare knuckles and brass tacks. This is the cybersecurity podcast that tackles the vendor customer relationship and everything in between. I'm George K with the vendor side,
2: and I'm George A, Chief Information Security Officer.
1: And today our guest is Pete Johnson, CMO at Cranium AI and a seasoned veteran in cybersecurity marketing. Welcome to the show. Thanks a lot for having me.
0: It's great to be here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So let's start in the most obvious place. Let's talk about the quick and dirty of how you got into cyber. Oh boy.
0: Uh, so about 20 years ago, I landed at uh, Bluecoat Systems in that, around that time frame, anyway. And, uh, from there I've gone sort of bounced in and out of cyber, but, uh, started there. Then I went to a company called Infoblox. Then I went to a little company called ServiceNow before they got big and was a part <laughs> of their, that, that BMF. And then, uh, went, called it a quit quits actually. And then got dragged back into a company that just got acquired called Revelstoke. And now I'm at Cranium AI. So really happy to be there. It's a it's an awesome opportunity focused on AI security. Nice. It's a pretty cool career.
1: All right. Well, you are on the vendor side. So we will start with the CISOs questions.
2: Thanks, George. All right, Pete. So... First of all, thanks for coming on, man. It's uh, really cool to meet you. You have a really, really interesting kind of career background too. So um, I think if folks wanna look you up after me, you are definitely uh, a story worth telling. So I, I gotta ask you, you know, going from AT&T to pure marketing, and now you're in you know, security technologies and services space, that's quite the uh, two decade plus journey uh, on both the client and sales side. So what would you say have been the keys for you in developing and maintaining such a flexible degree of career adaptability?
0: Wow, you know, it's it's a great question. It it for me I I I actually started in sales, right? So at AT&T I actually sold television time. So I was it was a completely <laughs> no. different uh, part of my life. I I I didn't bring that up, but um but I went from that into the ad side of the world. And that's when I figured out I wanted to be on the sort of vendor side of things and sort of drive marketing within uh, a specific organization. And I'll tell you what, what was really easy for me and what made, I think the transition simple was I had a good understanding of sales. And I think there's a lot of people that just start in marketing that never understand the sales side of things. So for me, it sort of was, it was almost a seamless transition in that I just knew what I kind of didn't do as a marketer to support the sales efforts. And then, and then also having gone to an agency and sort of worked that I got to see all the different points of, of entry and, and just learned, you know, that at the time that I was working in those, uh, and the agencies, and 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 after right after sales, it was a real different time in tech, and uh, there wasn't a lot of security. And you know, people still use CRMs like Goldmine and Act. I mean, this is pre Salesforce, right? So um, mm. it just, I think, to answer the question directly, the the transition occurred. If I if I am answering it directly, uh, the, the transition was kind of easy for me because I had a background in sales, and I kind of understood what sales needed.
2: You know, it, it, it's it's interesting because in all the things you were saying there, the one thing I took away from that, uh, you know, because I know a couple of career marketers um, and, you know, at my own company, uh, our head of comms, Paul, has got 25 plus years probably in marketing at this point. Um, and he always used to talk to me about um, kind of the value of spending some time in the agencies. Because I think mm-hmm. working as a, as a marketing consultant within an agency, uh, it's a little bit more cut throat but you really learned the nuts and bolts of the business versus when you're actually working for a direct client. Would you say that kind of your game stepped up a few levels after you had that agency yeah, experience? Yeah, for
0: sure. I mean, not only, not only did it, did I step up, but like you really get a good feel of how to present what's important to people. Yes. But also uh, you learn to work hard and I already kind of had that, but that particular I mean I, I would tell anybody I do, I've done two crazy jobs in my life and one was commercial fisherman right out of high school and the second one was
1: <laughs>
0: uh working at an ad agency and 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 just the number of of different projects that you're juggling everything's in a different place um you've got multiple personalities and you've just you've got to work everybody and you sort of, you sort of learn it. Some of that I learned from sales prior, but really getting an idea of how people operate and, uh, and just how different people are. Right. I mean, w- you know, I've had discussions with a lot of people just around, you know, marketing in general. And I think part of the problem is we just sort of throw a big net out at times and it it's really not applicable to everybody. I think campaigns need to be at you know integrated and and more involved well
1: that's a
2: perfect segue to george
1: <laughs> yeah i'll say as a as a former agency hack yes to all of it you have multiple stakeholders at multiple accounts and they all have different personalities different cultures and the way you manage buy-in for projects is completely different so i've started calling them vital skills instead of soft skills, but you really hone those pretty quickly and trying to get that buy-in. So this actually is a great segue. So in this two decade plus journey that you've had, especially going from sales uh, and then back into marketing, I think you started to touch on it here in terms of the wide net, but in that time you've probably seen some practices that have taken hold, especially in maybe B2B SaaS marketing, and uh, I'm just curious, as your take. This is the bare knuckles part of the show, which is the airing of grievances. So, <laughs> what are so what are some false idols? What are some uh, of the, the?
2: He's just he's telling you to talk mad shit. That's what he's saying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are what are some
1: what are your pet peeves when it comes to?
0: Uh, wow, that's a well, that's a really um, loaded question. Yeah. So, I, I guess I would say I'd start by saying that we're all consumers and you know i don't care what you do who you are you're a consumer and i think mm-hmm. we treat b2b sometimes like it's this totally different way of doing things and i get it is but that's why i said earlier people buy different ways people like it different ways i mean i was on a panel one time and and somebody asked me what's the best way to get in front of e staff and i said it depends who you're talking about some people like Slack, some people like email, some people want a phone call, some people don't want to hear from you at all, you know? So it's just like, you have to think about it that way. And and I'm the kind of person that when I get on Amazon, if they say, Hey, people that bought this also bought this, I might look at it. I might, you know? And, and I think that's why integrating programs, uh, is number 1. It's like you got to you got to hit people different ways with maybe a similar message, right? Um but to really give the biggest grievance and probably the the one thing that is hard I think for a lot of people is everyone's pretty boring and it gets very vanilla out there. <laughs> We've seen every trick in the book. Yeah. So if you're not if you're not having fun You can tell a lot of the times. Right. And so that would be the Mm -hmm. biggest one for me, because I'll see like even an effort. You know, you you talk about like events like RSA. Right. I don't necessarily think I need a booth at RSA. I'm not saying RSA is a bad thing to do, but there's other ways to gain momentum at a big event. You can do it around the event. And I've seen, you know, pickets out in front, which were staged by companies. Very innovative. It's a cool idea, right? I've seen funerals. Uh, I've seen all sorts of crazy things, Mm -hmm. right? And some of them stick and some of them don't. I I talked to you at one point about the free burrito event that we did. It it turned out to be way bigger of a thing than we ever expected it to be because it kind of went rogue. And so there's yeah, 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 wait, wait,
1: wait. I'm going to ask you to put a pin in that because I want to come yeah. back to burrito marketing. Yeah, burrito marketing is want, we'll
0: it's it, and, and, and I can't take credit for it, but yeah, I'll I'll be happy to talk to it.
2: I just I just need to know what company put on a funeral? Is this like WWE? Uh, with yeah, the so, Undertaker so I, I don't want to say that? the like, name of the company, a... but yeah. I will
0: tell you that the the that it was a sore is dead funeral. So the mm. the acronym oh, yeah, security yeah, yeah, yeah. orchestration automation now. Uh, you know, in my opinion, it, it was kind of bad timing. Um, and I'll, I'll leave it at that, you know, a war just started, but but the, it was just sort of, in a way, I looked at it, they were a direct competitor to the company I was at, it made me smile a little bit. And I was like, ah, at least they're out there trying and doing something. Uh, I don't know how well it sit, sat with people. But for me, I, it made me it gave me a slight smile as I walked by. I, I appreciate anyone that's doing something a little bit more outside the box, always.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, over to you, George.
2: So interesting thing and something that I really like that you did um, late recently that um, I did a little study about you before, uh, before you come on. As we like to research our guests and everything. Um, I saw you recently supported your friend, uh, Katharina in her pursuits of finding her next role opportunity and obviously shout out to Katrina. Hopefully she, uh, she found the right place for herself. How important would you say it is though, for people in our profession to support one another in times of economic Mm -hmm. hardship or, or career road bumps? Like, why is it worth the time to do it in your opinion?
0: Wow, man, this is a, this one's near and dear to my heart. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it couldn't be more important. Like, I, I think there's a, you know, this is going to end up sounding like a grievance in a sense when I start this, but I think there is this sense of, you know, self-marketing and, and there, there's just, it's, it's very selfish in, in what we do. A lot of times you're in a, you're in a building and a lot of people are just worried about themselves and their own career. Um, even, even the free burrito event, which I'd love to take credit for. I won't take credit for Right. <laughs> Cause that's just not me. I, d- I would never, ever, ever do that. And I think there's a lot of that in, in tech. I I'm sure that goes across corporate corporations mm-hmm. everywhere, but I think there's a real need to be kind. And I've said that to people and I said, look, you, you, everyone's got an opportunity here. She in particular was a really good EA. Um, I don't know if you know this part of my story, but when Revelstoke got acquired, I was able to take seven members of my team at Revelstoke and go to a new company. I didn't have to do that. I wanted to do that because I had a really cool team of people that worked together, right? And Cranium said, we'll take everybody, right? Which is is just amazing. It, It says a lot about them, right? I mean, they did something. For all of us, that I thought was incredible, and those are the kind of people I want to work with, right? The kind of people that are that are uh, doing that, especially to your point, with the way things are out there right now. It's a weird climate. Uh, a lot of people are losing their jobs, and it's like now's the time for all of us to step up and help them out, uh, especially the good ones, right? I have no problem, you know, stepping up for people. I have people that I would die to work with again and it never works out that timing never works out right and Mm -hmm. and and you always want you know there's i could do 20 shout outs right now but you know there's just people out there that i loved working with in the service now years i mean i i had a family you know i had a huge team there and uh you know one of the greatest things that ever happened to me is they made me this poster this this uh one of those i don't know what what the site is but it was just like a props to you for for all the work you did and that meant more to me than almost anything i've ever received at work i still look at that thing i just go wow that was such a good run so i don't i think it's just a matter of being human and being kind why not why not be that way right
2: We didn't script that, but that's like the theme of the show.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was awesome. Um, Well, that kind of ties in, I think, to the next question, which might be, uh, you know, in cyber, it's people, process, technology. Um, I think there's a a fascination with technology, but I'm going to ask you, and, and I think we discussed this a little bit offline the other day, what do you think today's marketing teams underestimate or underrate the most in terms of how they do their jobs.
0: Wow. Um, well, I'd start with, I'd start with keeping it simple. Uh, I think that everybody sort of tries to boil the ocean when the reality is you're better off focusing and, and narrow casting than you are broadcasting. Um, I'm, I'm actually going through an exercise right now where I'm trying to guess what our funnel is going to be and what the conversions are going to be and all that stuff. And the only way that I can really do that is to focus on the quality and not the quantity, because what happens, especially in the startup world is your budget's limited. And so that number, it tops Mm. out, right? So I think people underestimate how, Narrow casting can actually help you uh, really get, you know, really define what you need to do, and then you can expand from there. Um, And I think the other thing I would say is collaboration, Um, especially for the curmudgeons like me, the amount of stuff and things that I learn from the new generation is actually remarkable. And anyone who says that, this particular generation doesn't do it like this particular they're, they're out of their minds you know mm-hmm. they're they're out of their <laughs> minds they're by the way they're 80% of our workforce and they're killing it and and if you find <laughs> the right ones you're you're they'll blow you away and i've got those on my team a lot of them and i love it i love it because they're teaching me i don't quite honestly i'm not a social guy i'm not a i, I mean social network guy social media guy And if Mm. I didn't have people that understand that game, I don't think I'd be as successful as I am. Right. The other one's doing that kind of work. The other one's posting stuff. I don't, I'm not even on Facebook. So, yeah. All
1: right, Pete. So I do want to pull that pin. I want to talk about burrito marketing. Tell us what happened, uh, Yeah,
0: so uh, my previous supervisor, uh, CEO and founder of Revelstoke, Bob Cruz, went to an event in Bend, Oregon and texted me from that event saying, we need to do a free burrito event, which is, uh, and I I say this with love to Bob, but he is one of those guys that is very, you know, reactive and it's like, I'm like, free burritos, what are you talking about? And so it sort of became a running (laughs) joke as did mesh half shirts and and things of that nature that he wanted to, to put out there. But um, we ended up saying, oh, we're going to do it someday, inevitably. And uh, we decided, let, let's just offer free burritos for people at RSA. And we had a meeting room set up. So what we did was we set a table up in front of the meeting room. And it was great because we got a lot of C-level people that wanted to meet with us and they basically got a free burrito, but then we've got practitioners and all sorts of different people showing up just to get a burrito. And, you know, the, the trade-off was uh, pretty obvious. We get their name and, and check them off a list. Right. And, and then we kind of, it kind of ended, you know, sort of ended and we had literally way too many burritos. So we picked up the table and we walked down in front of the convention center and we started giving free burritos out for jokes. Now we videotaped it and the jokes, you would be blown away on how off color and crazy the jokes were because it was mixed company. And I was like, you can't tell that joke in front of a 24 year old kid, you know, but anyway, uh, it ended up being extremely successful, and then even after that, we still had burritos left, which we took to the homeless shelter in San Francisco. So everybody won at the end, and it was uh, it, it turned out to be a really awesome event. And still, people bring it up today, right? So, like I said, not my event, but it organically morphed into you know a Sasha Baron Cohen type type of thing, you know, where we were just like, okay, let's carry the Carry the burritos and the and the table, you know, six blocks to the convention center, and uh, it was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, so that's like you know this the marketing dream that you have this like guerrilla campaign and it's thought out, and this is spontaneous. So you know, kudos that it came originally from the CEO, but I think there's less space for that kind of creativity in an atmosphere where everyone is demanding a strict ROI calculation. Mm -hmm. So. Could you talk a little bit about how you balance, you know, here is, the, these are the efforts where I need to measure and report direct results and where here's the space that I have for more creative endeavors?
0: Yeah, well, with an event like that, right, I, I was determined to get ROI on it, just so you know. So I was tracking everybody like crazy just to to see if there was any success. But, um, yeah, I mean, it it's a there's a there's a blend um and I like to push really hard you know so I'm I'm even when I'm trying to present ideas and and thoughts about potential things we can do I'm usually like here's here's the extreme and here's the at the low right and so here's the conservative and the not so conservative and I'm always like hey look at this one right but as it relates to like direct ROI you know especially for CISOs, the number one thing for them is small, intimate events. Um, even if it's virtual, it, they don't want to be, it, this is just my opinion, right? I could, I, Other people could see it other ways. Um, they don't want to be a part of, of some big, huge thing where, where they're getting lost in it. And that's what I've seen historically. So you've got to make it um, unique and worth their time you know we also have to remember that most of that audience can do whatever they want whenever they want you know they're they're pretty hooked up yeah. they got they got pretty solid lives and they could go and go to the restaurants that you're going to invite them to but if you bring other people in the room that they're interested in talking to then then you have something right and so i always kind of lean on test testimonials and things of that or get somebody who's really knowledgeable in the space to to be a part of it right so you're partnering with people um, the other thing that I would say that is extremely important for us and was at Revelstoke and will be at Cranium is Alliance Partners, right? We don't really do a lot of events mm-hmm. without partners. We're, we're very fortunate at Cranium in that we are funded by KPMG. They're a huge partner, right? So we can leverage them uh, as a partner. Uh, not everybody has that. But what I would say to any startup, you're going to get more bang for your buck and a greater ROI and you can show that return um, because you're spending half the money because you're pooling in with somebody else, right? It seems very obvious, but not yeah. everybody does it. And I always look at that and go, why aren't you guys partnering with a, with a technology that makes sense for you? Or why aren't you working with, uh, even channel partners that are holding good events and already have the names, right? And so, yeah. you know, the, that's sort of how I balance it. We like to have, we like to do fun things and we like to, 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 differentiate ourselves so that people will remember it. But also we're doing the obvious stuff too. We're just doing it a little bit with a little bit of a tilt, right?
2: I can, I can confirm. Um, yeah. We prefer like smaller intimate events where we can actually talk to people. Most importantly, you want a relaxed setting. Cause like from, from the CISO's chair, you're stressed out all the time. You're freaking out about something or people freaking out about you. You have Lord knows how many emails, messages, calls, catch up on, you're walking through some event floor and it's just, you know, stimulus overload and you can't really focus on anything. So you're not really in a headspace to have a substantial conversation. So if you really are trying to sell to a, you know, a C-suite or CISO, especially invite them to a nice place. And as you mentioned, the value prop isn't just the restaurant. Cause like any of us can just go to a restaurant. It's who are you bringing to the table? That's where it's going to be interesting. Right? I think you it's funny hearing you say that because you are completely on point and your logic is just like, like, it's nice. It's the yin to the yang of like my thought process before I assess whether I want to take an interview or not. Yeah. Or sorry a interview. I'm yeah. Yin.
0: Yeah. Well, I will say, and I, and I circle back to what I was saying at the beginning, it doesn't work for everybody. I mean, I've, I've had situations where somebody's like, Hey, like, I'd love to meet with you, but I just don't want to go to that. I don't want to be in the room yeah. with a bunch of people. And right. I'm like, okay, great. I'll take you to sushi. We'll yeah. do it that way. Right. And, and then I got me and a sales guy and, 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 one individual, if it's worth it, you know, you have to kind of examine what that, what that cost is. But, you know, I, I, I say $300 to get to the opportunity to make 125 K is probably worth it every day.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that yeah. math checks yeah. out.
2: <laughs> so let me, let me just circle back to the question is how would you encourage client side folks like myself? to look at today's security marketing and what differentiates a good play from a bad one, in your opinion?
0: Mm. Wow, that's really tough. That's a good, you finally got me. Um, so one is the space itself, right? So how saturated is is it, right? So I was in the SOAR space. There's a lot of players. Uh, there's a super, super, Uh, I would say I'll I'll just bear a grievance here. There's a negative uh, connotation that goes along with SOAR because the first gens didn't really produce as much as was promised. So in that case you're really going to have to see a POC, right? You're just going to have to, right? There's no way around it. Like you're going to have to see the product work. You're going to have to see the flow. You're not going to do a direct deal unless it's a buddy who you trust and you know implicitly, right? Um, on the other side of stuff, right, where I am right now, it's it's sort of being dictated by an executive order, right? Our president is saying, you guys better comply to the uh, – to AI and understand what, what's happening in your environment. Right. We have to secure that. It's a, it's a bigger deal than just your network. Right. Um, You also the Terminator. Right. Uh, But, (laughs) but, you know, the point is, is that, you know, I, I think, you know, I, it's so, it's a very hard question to ask because some of, some of the times it's friends and family. Right. So for you, you've been doing it a long time you're going to know a lot of people, you're going to trust a lot of people, you're going to be able to see things through those people that you wouldn't normally see just as a as somebody kicking tires. And then and then there's the other side of it where it's like there's a real need, but I don't think there's I think with just how vast cybersecurity is, I don't think there's that many plays that are slam dunks anymore. I think it's all has to be mm. investigated, you know. Unless it's tried and true. I mean, that old adage that nobody ever got fired for buying Cisco. I think that applies to some cybersecurity companies, right? Um, you know, we had a competitor just come out, a, a well-established competitor that just came out with AI security. I'm not going to say their name, but um, you can figure it out. But that's a that's a problem for me. Because they're established, right? Mm. So for somebody like you, if you're interested in our product, you're you're going to go. Why wouldn't I go with the one that I already probably already have the product? One of their solutions, and if they do this too, why not look at that, right? It makes it difficult for me. That's why ServiceNow was so successful. Because if anybody wanted something, if ServiceNow already had it, oh, we have that. We do that for HR. Right. We do that for yeah. So
2: yeah, you're you're pretty on point there. Because I mean. Now, another inside tip on it, it's not just like because we have a product from that company already. It's because it, it skips us having to go through the uh, vendor review yeah, process. Yeah, no, no protocol. Exactly. Uh, just
0: add that, really add that just put the same TNCs that you had, and it'll go right through a procurement. It's like you just waive everything, right?
2: Uh, you know the game, brother. That's all we're talking about. It's,
0: I, it's we like hate done that. We hate that from our side so much. We're like, Oh man, if I buy this, this is what it means. And, uh, you know, so, you know, cause
2: I feel called out, man. Jesus.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Brass tax on curiosity and
1: learning. I really liked in the first part of the show, how you talked about how much you're learning from the younger people on your team. So I guess I want to get your advice to your peers about, how to create the space for them to do really well and also how the older leaders could learn from them. Is it giving them more autonomy, for example, is it, you know, letting them sink or swim on their own? Like how, how are you engaging with them that that learning feedback is, is both beneficial Mm -hmm. uh, from your experience to them and, and you picking up, you know, new, new insights from the younger. Yeah.
0: it's, It's funny. So, so uh Gosh, I have so many stories around that. Um, I would say a real moment of truth for me was way back when we had we had a lead automation system. And a, a person that worked for me at the time was really kind of green but learning and started getting more and more f- sophisticated and programming and working this lead automation tool to do all sorts of nurture programs and like, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff that they were doing. And uh, one day she came over to my desk and she was like, hey, unfortunately, this was at Bluecoat. She goes, I changed everybody's name, first name to Bluecoat. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what? Whoops. And she goes, I changed everybody's first name to Bluecoat. And I was like, oh. And instead of reacting in the way, I, I just caught myself saying it's just data. We're going to lose some hours, but I knew that if I called the hub, this was Aliqua that we were working with at the time, they were in Toronto. I was like, Hey, can you just go back three hours when our company wasn't called? I mean, when our, everybody's first name wasn't blue coat and they did that. I think that lesson for me was there's almost everything is fixable and almost everything is, uh, you're capable of switching it around at the end of the day. Um, and this comes from life experience, right. More than anything. Um, you know, I won't go into the details of that, but I've had tons of real world experiences, not just like work. And I take it real serious. My job I take seriously. I take, I take everything that I do very seriously, but at the same time in the grand scheme of things, lead generation and all that stuff, it's really not that big of a deal. And we should just approach it pragmatically and do the best we can. Uh, And so you said it, I let my team make mistakes. And I allow them to do that. And I think it's better to let them do that now. Be careful on where that occurs, right? You got to pay attention without being a micromanager, you got to pay attention to where it's okay. Um, I had a situation at my last company where, uh, and and I, it's my fault because I actually let it happen, but I had somebody investigate a list vendor. They purchased a, a list. It wasn't a great list. It was a lesson learned. It was, you know, some list vendors, here's a, here's a grievance. They're shady. And, and we all know that, but I didn't, I didn't give any direction. I just let Uh, let this person dangle. And I took the heat for it. Right. And I think it's a mistake that person will never make again. And it was a, you know, it's a $2,500 mistake. You know, so I I don't know. I I think, I think for me as a parent, you know, as a, it, it sort of translates into that and having gone through experiences, I sort of look at all of this, like, yeah, it's important and I want us to be successful. I'm going to do everything I can for us to be successful. But at the end of the day, if we lose two hours because I don't want everybody's first name to be Bluecoat, I'm okay with that. We just lost two to five hours, something like that, right? And so we're not going to get the lead gen that happened in that period of time. We lost it. It's gone. And and she ended up, by the way, that person ended up going on to be a, a marketing ops guru. She's like a VP somewhere now. So one mistake that was it so yeah yeah gotta fall somewhere yeah. cool all
1: right close this out george
0: Uh-oh. okay so this is the this is hard hitter right uh,
2: <laughs> so you've walked through countless conferences i'm sure and events and seen all the gimmicks that folks are doing right i gotta ask you honest question in your opinion as a highly uh veteran marketing professional been in our industry for a long time, is the era of booth bunnies finally over. Now, you know what I mean by booth bunnies, right?
0: Uh, I don't know, to be honest with you. I don't walk the, the floors as much as I used to. So are they still there now?
1: Mm-hmm. In uh, some former fashion, they were there at Black Hat this past yes, year. They were there this year.
0: Yeah, you would think that with the just the climate around that people would get hit to that. Well, I've never I've never been uh involved with a company that did that. Thank God. Uh I have two daughters, so for me, um, it always did sort of somewhat offend me. I'm gonna say I hope so. Um but who knows, right?
2: What I what I would think is important is if guys like you keep talking about it, keep having the conversation, right? we can we can eventually really put it out right like if folks aren't actually calling it out if people aren't actually like making an issue of it be like hey this is not professional this is not the look that we want to present this is not what i want to bring like my kid who's in university or or, or like my partner or whatever it is like a conference event yeah like it's serious but for some of those trade show floors that are a little bit more fun it should be the kind of thing where you can bring like family to it, or you can bring like you know you don't want to fill the floor up, but it's just like I would still think it should be a family friendly, relatively PG environment. And I just don't think with how uh, evolved we're supposed to be uh, that it would be really appropriate if we want to keep our industry in a place where we're progressing in the right direction socially. And I think like just keep talking about it, man. That's that's all yeah. I can say. Yeah. yeah, it's
0: unfortunate. Yeah, that uh, it's still a thing. I would have thought. Again, I don't walk the floors as much as I used to. Um, I, I mean, the la- literally, the last time I was on a floor was probably service now. and that was knowledge, mm-hmm. right? That was our user conference, and there was no none of that at the at our conference, right? Yeah, so yeah, Very that cool. wouldn't happen. But yeah, I'm happy to to wave that flag. Let's knock it off. And let's drink Bud Light. Let's get over it, people. Come on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Pete, thank you for taking time out of your evening and sharing your experience with us. It's been great. Awesome. I really appreciate it. You're an awesome dude, Pete. Thanks, Thanks,
0: guys. Take care.